Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. Today, we're going to talk to you about tools for managing stress. This is really important, isn't it, Heidi, managing stress after loss? Absolutely. I have so many people say to me, so many clients say to me, you know, I don't understand why I'm so anxious. I have all this free-floating anxiety I've never had before since I've had a loss, and I don't know how to manage it. Mm -hmm. Well, today our guest is going to give you fabulous trips on management because she's written a book, The Practice, Simple Tools for Managing Stress and Finding Inner Peace and Uncovering Happiness. Her name's Barbara Schmidt, and she's founder of the Peaceful Mind, Peaceful World, a community outreach program through Florida Atlantic University promoting dialogue in the greater community on topics of inner peace. And she also has a big presence on the web. So Barbara Schmidt, welcome to our show today. It's uh, just wonderful to have you on with such an important topic. How did you get interested in the area of managing stress? Oh, I, in the preface of my book, I go into great detail. I grew up in an alcoholic home, so I never knew which end was up. Felt like I was on the outside looking into the world all the time. Felt lonely, incomplete. Went through some traumatic, uh, abusive situations and just was hanging on by my fingernails. But through all of that, in, in high school, I started working at McDonald's restaurants and ultimately ended up owning my own after graduating from high school. <laughs> and before the age of 23, I know, <laughs> it's an incredible story. Before the age of 23, I owned three McDonald's restaurants. <laughs> That's wow. amazing. So you talk about hope and talk about, yeah, talk about thriving in the midst of utter and complete chaos and stress and abuse, um, there was still that little part of me that I believe all of us have inside of us that we can make it. We are strong. But in the midst of owning my stores and achieving all of this external success, thinking that that was what was going to make my life okay, that I would be worthy, um, having this attachment and this um, uh, connectedness to the external world, then everything would be okay. I developed an eating disorder of bulimia. In 1984, woke up one day and couldn't go to work and just said, I can't live this way checked into treatment for six weeks. I've got to stop for a minute. It's pretty incredible to think of somebody who owns three McDonald's having bulimia. (laughs) I don't know. And then ultimately, I ended up owning six. I I, I ended up with six. It is, you know, because bulimia is that disease of shame, of I cannot get connected to myself because I just don't want to feel. I don't want to know what's going on inside. And if you just keep going as fast as you can and keep achieving and keep and keep accomplishing, uh, you know, it'll all be okay. You know, it, it's interesting to me, though, because I worked on a, a bulimic unit and eating disorder when I taught at the University of Rochester in the medical center. And they're very interested in food and exchanging recipes and doing, but they never eat. But there you are at McDonald's watching all these people eat and feeling really good that you can control it, right? It's the only thing that I felt like I could control. <laughs> Everything in my external world was so out of control. <laughs> At least I could control my food and whether I was going to gain weight or not. And other people's food. (laughs) Other people's food. Oh, my God. So true. Talk about your three steps to waking up, will you? Or do you want to finish finish this story? Yeah. No, that's pretty much it. That launched me into, you know, meditation and mindfulness and and how to really start being connected Mm -hmm. to myself and living in the moment. Uh, Because you were out of touch with your body, it sounds like, and your feelings. Totally. I'll tell you something funny. When I got to treatment, one of the first things um, my therapist said, we want you to take a bath tonight. And I started to laugh. I said, I don't even know how to take a bath. I've never taken a bath. (laughs) Who has time to take a bath? (laughs) You know, so it's true. 
so not taking care of my body. It's really important because I think that when people have had a loss, and you and I have seen this, Mom, they stop taking care of themselves. Mm -hmm. So I think this, this is such a relevant topic to our audience. And, and I remember getting frantic after my son was killed and, and uh, eating um, really fast or talking really fast and then not eating. I, and I want to say, having bulimia and being so disconnected from me is a loss. I, I When I went through treatment, when I went through therapy, I really had to mourn the fact that not only did I not know who I was, not only had I not been connected myself, I was treating myself so poorly and so badly. It was a lot. I really had lost myself. It was such a loss. It was a grieving that I went through and losing all of those years of really being connected to me and then now on my road to finding myself. Loss is loss. And so I think this idea of how do we get connected with ourselves first so that we can really love ourselves first before and take care of ourselves first before we can do anything else is so important. Okay, now I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, yes, I'm resonating with it. Okay, what do I do? Yeah, the three part, it's kind of like a recipe book actually, isn't that ironic, a, a recovering bulimic writing a recipe. <laughs> <laughs> Food is in the equation always. <laughs> it's kind of a recipe book. I'm so passionate about people finding their own teacher and finding their way and finding a practice that connects them with themselves and that they can sustain for the rest of their lives. So we really, my, my true strong belief is I learned how to meditate in treatment and we've done it now for the past 30 years, tweaking it and practicing it all along the way. My true belief is that you wake up first thing in the morning and you plug into you. You really connect with you. You sit down with yourself, even if it's just five minutes, and just be with you in whatever way that that is natural and right for you, putting your attention on your breath or mantra or prayers or whatever it is. There's no right or wrong way. I just feel passionate that if you connect with you first to listen, to hear how I feel, maybe I'm still feeling sad. Maybe I'm still feeling lonely. Maybe I'm still feeling fearful. If we don't stop and check in and understand our feelings and feel them, we can't possibly think that we can go out into our day and manage stress and really be at our best and feel balanced and, and strong and powerful. So day after day, you start carrying that with you throughout your day. So you start yearning to be a little bit more mindful and present in the moment with the people that you're interacting with, with the activities that you're doing. You use, I talk about using a sacred mantra, doing some reading, really nourishing yourself instead of being at the mercy of the external world and all of the things that are happening. Try to lay out a pattern for yourself where you're coming inside, where you're doing some things that nourish you instead of watching the news 24-7. Come in and spend 15 minutes reading an inspirational book about a teacher or a master that has really lived the kind of life that you admire. And if you, you can't if you can't do something more active like reading, you can always listen to one of our Open Hub radio shows. I, I was just going to say that. Listen to your talk, listen to your radio show, listen to talks by other teachers. Try to find a way to intercept all of the noise in the external world that's negative by instituting some positive things into your day, into your life, into your consciousness. And then at the end of the day, learning little by little with reflection exercise to let it all go. Um, I lost my dad during the writing of this book, and I lost my best friend during the writing mm. of this book. So it, it was never more meaningful and more powerful for me in learning how to let go because it sounds so easy and it's so difficult, but it's a process. And what I love so much is in the process as you come back to knowing you know, that our loved ones are still with us. They're not in their bodies anymore, but they're absolutely in our presence, in our energy, in our field, in our hearts. And meditation and being with yourself gives you that it provides you with a new angle of vision, a new perspective, a new way of 
learning how to see our lives in a way that is so much more full than just in the physical being. Now, I recently, uh, I was reading a book called The Body Keeps Score, and one of the things that uh, he says in the book, which I think is very interesting, when you take a breath in, it energizes the sympathetic nervous system. That's the fight and flight. And the out-breath energizes the repose and repair, the, you know, sleeping, the kicking back. So his comment is the reason it is great to meditate thinking about the breath, even if it's only for five minutes, think about your breath, is that you slow down the sympathetic, which is the fight and flight, because you breathe in more steadily, and then you let it out really slowly. And that actually changes brain chemistry. Well, breath is our life force. Right. Absolutely. So I love the idea that you could just do five minutes, don't you, Heidi? Because uh, the monkey brain is wild after you've had a loss, right? Yeah, and you know, five minutes is doable. It sets people up. I, I just wanted to say, I say first thing in the morning, you know, meditation, sitting with yourself, focusing your attention on your breath, your life force, your energy, stopping the, uh, not stopping, but not engaging. We can't stop thinking, but we can learn how to not engage the thought. It's a renewal of the mind. And by renewing the mind, resting the mind, or resting that tendency to want to engage the thoughts, I can imagine that we're the sympathetic, we're we're really rejuvenating. You know, that's why meditation has so many incredible Mm -hmm. health benefits. Right. We're really giving ourselves a rest. Well, and that's that's why I like yoga. And I did yoga this morning. I woke up and went to a yoga class. But it's a moving meditation. Yes. And, you know, you, you do focus on the breath. And so it really kind of helps you if you're having problems meditating. It, it helps you get in that place because you're so focused on what you're doing and on your breath. And you're constantly reminded by your instructor to focus on your breath. Mm-hmm. And I also think walking is a great meditation. If you can try to, even for five minutes, think about your breath while you're walking or whatever. Research shown that uh, 20 minutes of walking can reduce your risk of stroke by 50%. And boy, when you have suffered a loss, you are at risk for health issues. Yes. Uh, nothing. Oh, it's so beautiful, walking meditation. I was on retreat with Thich Nhat Hanh in the 90s a couple of times, and he's such a beautiful example of the piece of a walking meditation and when you really are focusing on your breath and in in your stride in the walk the rhythm of all of that it's it's just amazing Mm -hmm. and i'm a golfer too and i always i think it's a single point meditation because you really have to concentrate on that little white ball (laughs) (laughs) and you've got to learn how to not let the mind get in the way exactly i golf too yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, talk about ex- uh, expressing gratitude. You know, I think it takes time. That's why I love that this life is a process. And and so when tragedies happen, when we lose our loved ones, it's not that we would want that to happen once we get to the gratitude and acceptance stage, but we're able to look back and see where we have come as a result of that happening, that happening that we had absolutely no control over. These things that happen for us are unique moments. And so we can take a look at them little by little as we sit with ourselves in meditation, as we try to tap into that uh, strength, knowing that we are loved, we are whole, we are complete, despite the fact that we lost our loved one. And as we start looking into that, we really start seeing the blessing or the teaching, I like to call it the teaching as well, that has come as a result of our loss. And usually what has happened for me as a result of my loss is my losing my best friend during the writing of this was incredibly traumatic and I've been studying these things for 30 years but in the moment I thought why Uh, and as I've gone on now for the past two and a half three years you get to see what the why is the why is she taught me so much about letting go for sure but she's with me Mm -hmm. my friend is still with me so I can hear her I can feel her I can uh, 
tap into her energy and essence. And I have to say, my greatness as a human being has become tenfold. So for me, those are the blessings. Those are the teachings. And honestly, we don't have any other choice. We have the choice to live our lives of greatness, or we can succumb to the tragedy that we had no control over and curl up in a little ball and go to sleep. So we can really become and step into the person that we came here to be as a result of what has happened in such greatness or not. And I think we all do come to that point. Well, I hope we do. Some people, some people do get stuck, and we're hoping that people that are listening today that feel like they're ready to make the turn and they have been stuck. I love the fact that you're willing to stand out and say, we have greatness. Heidi, what's your thought on that? I, I like this, this whole idea because I think people's biggest fear is that they are going to forget their loved one over time and that their loved one is no longer with them. And what you're saying is that they, our loved ones are always with us, and we, we just continue a relationship in a new and different way. And I know initially it's hard for people to wrap their arms around that because they really want their parents and their siblings and their children with them. But over time, we learned how to create a different and a new relationship. Beautifully said, Heidi. What I would like to say to people that are stuck is just let us meet you where you are right now and it's okay where you are right now, and just maybe be open and receptive to hearing anything that's being said today. My friend Mary lived in San Francisco. I live in South Florida. I am closer to her today than I ever was. And it's what you just said, Heidi. Because I was able to let go of the fact that physically she's no longer here, it is a miracle. It, it's so amazing what happens when you let go of the physical trappings and the physical boundaries that separate us. You really can internalize the essence and the being and the heart and the laughter of the person that you've lost. You won't forget the people that you've lost. You embrace them, feel them, know them, and are with them so much more. Could you talk a little bit about letting go of expectations? Because I think that's one of the big things when you suffered a loss. It is. Um, you know, that's, the, that's really the number one thing in life, suffering a loss or anything. We have these expectations or these entitlements. And it's why I make this the last practice of my book, and it's why it's a process. So I find that it's a process of opening up to the possibility of, of knowing that I can't get what I want and I can't make what I want happen, but I can sit with myself and assume the stance of openness and of release of allowing myself to be open and receptive to whatever is going to happen. And nine times out of ten, what happens for me is usually better and greater than what I expected. And as we learn to live in the present moment, we learn to become accepting of what's coming our way. So we're not so um, thrown off in a ditch when something troublesome or traumatic happens. We've already been practicing that I don't have any control that I'm really trying well, to be We're not fighting it. it. We're not fighting it. Fighting the reality it. is, even if we fight it, the outcome is still going to be the same. Our loved one is not going to be here. And I've got a mantra in my office right now that says, let go or be dragged. <laughs> you know, because our, our, the outcome, is, Scott's not coming back. My brother's not coming back. I can either, either fight that reality and scream and yell and kick, but he's still at the end of the day not coming back. So how do we live our lives and go forward without them? You know, and, and, I and isn't that the great the tips that you're giving? Isn't us. isn't the loss of a loved one the greatest teaching that there ever was? You know, he's not coming back. I know Mary's not coming back. So that that is a reality in our face that we have to somehow muster up enough openness, enough courage to be able to accept it, so that we can let the the acceptance wash over our hearts and start to let us 
live again, let us grow, let us learn, and let us thrive. That's the ultimate. So as you practice the little things during the day of not setting expectations, of learning how to let go and being open and receptive, what I'm saying is I wasn't ready. When my dad died, I thought I would be ready on this being that's been practicing these things for 30 years, and I, I was shocked when he died in that moment. But the blessings come after the initial reaction when, when, when the tragedy or the loss happens. And if you can prepare with the little things in life, we're better able to really grow and thrive when the big one happens. Wow. Well, listen, Barbara, thank you so much for being on the show today. And tell people how they can find you and where they can get your book. Uh, the book is The Practice, Simple Tools for Managing Stress, Finding Inner Peace, and Uncovering Happiness. It's been a real joy to be with the two of you today. What a great blessing you are to the world. I'm so happy to have been here. I'm at barbschmidt.com, and my nonprofit that funds programs and practices and all the proceeds of my books go to peacefulmindpeacefullife.org. And the book is in all major booksellers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and your local bookseller. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for the work you're doing, Barb, and for making the world a more peaceful place. Thank you. Well, Heidi, uh, very interesting. We're closing the show today, but I want to say to people, I hope that if you've had a recent loss, you know that the mind is very strange. It does take us time to accept it, and it, and it is over time, and time is one of the variables in a big loss that you may be listening to the show and get something out of it, and later on you'll get more and more out of it. But one of the things that Barb said that I think that you can think about right now is just take five minutes to stop and check in with yourself today. Hide what you're that. Yeah, I agree. I, I would just recommend going to Barbara Schmidt's website. I love so much of what she's talking about, and it does shift our energy. The idea of waking up, living present, and letting go. There's a ton of information in here. And like you said, Mom, maybe people aren't ready right now, but maybe over time they will eventually be ready. And just do something small for yourself today to, to start shifting the energy. Well, thanks for listening to our show today, and Heidi and I like to offer to have you lean on our hope till you find your own, and God bless.